Today we come uh, before you and we say uh, we need your help um, to understand this world, uh, to understand what you're saying to us, and we need your help, help to live out the way of life that you have called us. So come Holy Spirit, be with us. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are courageous to follow you wherever you are leading us. Amen. As I was uh, preparing for today, I, I was kind of thinking, I knew I was going to preach, and so I was thinking and uh, praying and asking God, well, is there something that you would have me to preach on? And I really felt like uh, the Lord uh, had given me uh, this passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, it's a really important passage in our, our Christian faith and one that hopefully you've, you've heard before and will hear in the future as well. Um, and so uh, I don't always hear extremely clearly from the Lord, but when I feel like he's saying something, I, I try to be obedient. So um, that's what we're going to work through today. And my title is We Are Worse Off Than We Thought. So let's uh, <laughs> dive into that a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 a little differently than normal. Normally we read it all the way through and then uh, kind of reflect on it. So I'm going to start by kind of reading it in little pieces and, and comment on it as I go. And then uh, I'll pull out uh, kind of uh, three simple thoughts that Paul has for us. Uh, so as we start with Ephesians 2, he, Paul says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And uh, I want to point out a couple things to start. One, it's interesting the pronoun that he uses. He says, as, as for you, you were dead in your sin. And he, he's very purposeful here, and it's interesting to note, because later on in the passage we'll see that he actually changes pronouns. He switches to us and, and we. And so um, it, it's interesting, and, and most theologians and commentators think what that means is, is Paul is actually addressing uh, the Gentile Christians at Ephesus. And, and so he's speaking to the Gentiles, because it's, it's more clear uh, how the Gentiles have come to faith. Uh, and then when he talks about us and we, he's speaking about the Jews, but then he includes everyone in this as well. And, and we'll get to that in a second. But he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so he says, you're dead. This, the scope of this is absolute. There's, there's no, uh, I can help myself out of this. It's, it's you're dead. Uh, the words for transgressions and sin, what they mean are a uh, falling short or, or missing the mark of the purpose that our Creator has given for us. And so he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so he describes this a kind of past life of, of sin and, and following in the ways of the world in, in three different ways. One, uh, it's following in, in a way of the world. So there's this way of living or, or this culture of living that we followed. And then two, uh, you follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So th there's a ruler of this way of living that is not God uh, that one would follow in this life. And then thir thirdly, it's characterized by disobedience, uh, primarily disobedience. 
obedience to God. And he continues and he says, all of us. So, so here he switches to us rather than just you. So, so he's talking about the Jews and he's, and he's including the Jews. So even if you've been a Jew, a good Jew your whole life, uh, you have experienced this and you need the saving grace of Jesus. So he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And um, so he says, all of us are here. And then when he uses this word flesh, uh, sometimes Paul uses the word flesh to talk about our actual physical body. But here, I think, and many theologians think he's using uh, this word flesh to mean our, our sinful nature, that we, at the heart and the core of who we are, there is something corrupt in us, out of which comes sins of the things that we do that follow our desires and thoughts. And, and when we act out those things, it, it turns us into sin. And like the rest, we, again he uses, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And this is interesting uh, when he says deserving of wrath, uh, the actual uh, phrase that he uses there in the Greek is he says, we are children of wrath, meaning we were destined for or uh, characterized by wrath. And this is a big problem, being dead in sin and being uh, deserving by nature of wrath is, is a big problem. Uh, this also means that we are neither able or willing to turn to God on our own. We cannot get out of this sin. This is, um, so in verses one through three, Paul describes uh, kind of the mess we have been in or our previous life life. Uh, this is what the great theologian Jill Winter calls the mud puddle. <laughs> this is the mud puddle that we are a part of. But then Paul goes on and tells us of the solution. And he says, but because of his great love for us. This is great. This is because the why behind this. Because of God's great love for us. God who is rich in mercy. And, and I love the imagery used here. God is rich in mercy. That'll come up again, that word rich in grace and mercy. Uh, he has wealth. He has an abundance of mercy. It's, it's as though there's, there's a, a bunch of money in the bank that is, you know, mercy and grace. It's all in the bank, and all we have to do is go and, and take a deposit out, and that, that uh, bank account will never run dry, and it will never run out. God is rich and wealthy in mercy. And so uh, he continues, he said, God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's important to note that phrase when he said made us alive. Uh, that, that's an action uh, phrase and, and the actor in that phrase is not us. The actor who has made us alive is God. We do not make ourselves alive. God has made us alive. And then I highlighted this uh, part with Christ, and I'll admit, I, I like to highlight stuff. So I went a little crazy on the highlighting, but I wanted everything to be highlighted, but I didn't want it all to be yellow, so I changed the colors and whatnot. But, but with Christ, that's an important part um, of what Paul is saying, and that will come up again. You'll see that again. And it's interesting to note because, uh, one, it, it seems as though something that Paul is saying is that part of, he had described the old life, and now he's describing kind of this new life. And, and it seems as though that uh, as God has raised Jesus from the dead, and, and Jesus in, in his resurrection, in, in some sense we have been raised with Jesus as well in that act of resurrection. And then secondly, also, as Paul describes this new life, 
of, of righteousness and faith, he's, um, he, he describes it as being with Christ, or using also the preposition in Christ, and, and he does this over and over again, and this is an important characteristic of our life uh, after we have been saved, of, of being with Christ, and so he says, God who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Again, dead. Uh, not, we couldn't do anything about it. It is by grace you have been saved. It is a gift overflowing from the heart of God. And he continues, and he says, and God raised us up with Christ. There's that with Christ again. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. There that is again, incomparable riches of his grace. I love that imagery. God is wealthy with grace, and it's not going to run dry, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So there again, he highlights the character of God, the kindness of God in the way that he deals with us. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. So, so it is by grace, a gift from God, uh, but it is through faith. And, and this faith is faith in Jesus Christ as the one that leads us to God. Uh, when the New Testament writers uh, talked about faith, they often uh, pointed back to a, a man named Abraham. And so what had happened with Abraham was that God, he, he had been in conversation with God, and God had um, promised him. He said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your family and the generations after you, and they're going to become a great nation. And now this was something that Abraham never ever knew he wasn't ever going to see. So, so it wasn't something that he, he was like, okay, I'll see this one day. Uh, no, it was something that he knew would come after his death. Uh, and so Abraham said, okay, I trust you. And that's what faith is, to, to trust God, to have a, a trusting relationship with him where, where we know him well enough and where we turn our life over to him and trust him beyond death. And, and Paul closes out, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I, I love this part of it, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created in Christ again uh, to do good works. Uh, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so uh, I have a couple points that I want to uh, pull out, but I want to first mention that this is uh, one of uh, the passages that our, uh, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, preached on uh, probably the most. It was one of his favorite passages. It was core to what he thought uh, was core to the Christian life. Uh, John Wesley started Methodism, out of which we come out of. I, I want to mention that because we have lots of different people that come to our church that maybe didn't grow up Methodist, and so it's good to note um, as we follow in this, we are Methodists and follow in the tradition of uh, Wesley. But I have three points today that are kind of a simple summary of what Paul says. And the first one is this. We are created beings. And, and this means a, a couple of things. One, uh, we're finite, and so uh, we can't do everything all at once. Uh, we are created beings. We're humans. Uh, and then also, I think what this means for us is that we are created uh, by a creator, and we are created with purpose and for a purpose, right? And so th there's a couple of uh, different options that the world might have us, uh, besides believing that we are created or that we have a creator, 
Uh, one is uh, that we don't have a creator and that this, this whole world is uh, kind of the materialistic worldview, which what that means is just that uh, what's right in front of us, the physical reality is all that there is and uh, there's no spiritual side of everything and, and that's all that it is. And, and this often leads people to a, a type of hedonism which is uh, just a uh, practicing, uh, pursuing pleasure in the moment and not really uh, thinking long term or, or thinking about purpose and all that there is is to have pleasure in this life. And this uh, unfortunately leads us down a path uh, that leads us really empty and uh, without purpose in our life. And and many people are finding that out in these days. Another option is uh, to kind of just uh, put all our baskets in, uh, or all our eggs in the basket of, of evolution and to say, well, there's just this, you know, this guiding force uh, behind the universe that's not a personal force. It's just a force that guides us and, and leads us, and it's about survival of the fittest. And now, I'm not preaching against evolution today, but I am saying that if that is all that you trust and all that you believe in, then uh, that kind of leads us to something of, like, the purpose is just, you know, to pass along our DNA um, and, and to help this human race survive, which, again, I feel is not quite exactly um, leads us to fulfillment or, or um, purpose in our lives. And so uh, the Christian alternative to these is, is the understanding that we are created beings and that we have a creator. And now if we understand that we have a creator, I think uh, perhaps maybe then uh, one of the most important things that we could do is uh, get to know that creator and try to get to know the Creator and get to know the purpose for which He made us for. And the Christian answer to those questions is that at the core of who God is, is the Trinity, is relationships of, of, of self-giving and self-sacrifice, and relationships of, of love, joy, and peace. And that God, our Creator, has created us And he's created us to be in relationship with him, to share in those relationships of love and joy and peace, and to be in those relationships with all of the creation that he has created. And he has invited us into that as our purpose in life. Some of you may know I'm, I kind of like doing woodworking from time to time, and as I've moved into my new place in Danville, I've made myself a coffee table, and I really had a fun time making the coffee table, and it's really cool. And, and I had a purpose in mind when I created the coffee table, right? Uh, you know, you can place your drinks or your food on it. You can, I'm watching football here, watching Green Bay. This is when they beat the Rams. They did lose to Tampa Bay, so I'm not cheering for Tampa Bay next week, but, because <laughs> I'm a Green Bay fan. But, but I had a purpose in mind. Maybe, you know, put your drinks on or to put your feet up as you watch TV or read or, or whatever you, uh, we want to do, uh, you know. And, and this is the purpose that I had in mind. Now, my next uh, project that I'm working on is building a frame for my bed. So my uh, brother got me a new bed. Now the one I have is on the floor, um, and I need to get it up and, you know, on a frame, and so I'm going to build myself a frame. But it would be kind of goofy uh, to use the coffee table and pretend like I had made it uh, to be a frame for my bed, right? Because you put it on there, and and one, it looks kind of goofy, right? Two, uh, it's not really doing that great of a job, right? You know, you know, you think with the bed and then me on it, I'm going to probably fall off or whatnot. But, and then lastly, also, like, it, it's actually not good for the coffee table to be used like this. You know, putting all that weight on it and, and doing all that, that, that's not good for the coffee table. And I think so often uh, we 
forget our purposes in life and we forget that we have a creator that created us for a purpose, like on purpose. And, and we end up going around, one, kind of looking a little bit goofy, right? <laughs> and not doing a really good job of the things that we're trying to do. And then lastly, uh, doing many things that are harmful to us and those around us. Um, so point number one is that we are created beings. Uh, this is big in the theology of Paul. Point number two, uh, we are worse off than we thought. Paul is very clear that he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. And it's good to have self-knowledge, right? Uh, so this is a, a picture of my twin brother, uh, Phil. And, and Phil has a brain injury. And so he, he struggles uh, with balance, with walking. And so he uses a, a walker to help him walk going about. And it, it would be kind of silly for Phil uh, to decide just one day, okay, I, I, I don't need the help of the walk. I actually don't need help in walking. And, and what would happen is he would go out and he would probably walk around and he'd probably fall at one point. And, and someone would come and help him and say, hey, hey, do you need help? And do you want me to get a walker or a wheelchair? And, and it would be silly for him to say, oh, no, 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 this is normal. This is uh, just the way that it is. And, 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 and I'm fine. Just, just let me be. And then he would go and he would fall again. And so it would be silly for Phil to not know himself enough to know that he, he needs the help of a walker. So often this is the way we go around in our life, just falling down and, and not really admitting that we need help in this life at all. Paul says we are dead in our sins. We have missed the mark of the purpose that our Creator has created for, and we are deserving of the wrath of God. So Paul doesn't uh, mince words. Uh, he, uh, oh, I missed that. But he, he doesn't mince words. He says we are dead in our sins. So it's not that we're just uh, kind of bad and, and that most of the time we do good things and every once in a while we do bad. No, he says we're dead in our sins, de- deserving of wrath. This is uh, kind of what the great theologians call total depravity, a, a total depravity of the human nature. And, and John Wesley thought this was really core to uh, the Christian faith. So, so Wesley said, if you don't believe in total depravity, you're not yet a Christian. That's how important it was to realize that we, without God, are helpless. And so many Christian uh, theologians describe this as, as drowning in a water, and we're drowning, and what God does is he reaches his hand down and pulls us up out of the water and saves us. We are worse off than we thought we were, right? But thanks be to God, point number three, God is greater than we thought. So our God in this world has an enemy, and that enemy is an enemy to us as well. Sin and death. So our God has an enemy, but he does not have an equal. Our God is greater than sin and death and all the advances of our adversary. Paul talks about the great love and kindness, the incomparable riches of the grace of which God is showing to us, has shown to us, and which is available to us if only we would go to the bank and withdraw. So what this means for us is multiple things. It means that maybe there's someone or or multiple people here today who 
have carried around guilt for a really long time because of something that they've done in their past and they've just carried it around. They've woken up with it and they've carried it in wherever they go in their days and they have this guilt weighing upon them because of the things that they have done in the past. And the incomparable greatness and the mercy of our God is that here now today, God is willing to forgive us and to set us free from the guilt of that sin. And that the forgiveness of God is great. But there's also more than that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just forgiveness of past sins. No, it's more than that. It's God has the power to set us free from sin that binds us, the addictions that hold us down, that sin that ruins your relationships with everyone in the world. God wants you to be set free of that, and he wants to empower you to live in relationships of love and joy and peace. And the truth of the gospel is that God is able to do this. He is greater than our sin. On top of this, Paul talks about a resurrection from the dead, and that with Jesus we are raised from the dead. So the greatness of God is also that the hope of the Christian, the hope of the Christian is not that we would live to be a hundred years old and in good health our entire life. No, the hope of the Christian is that we, like Jesus, uh, would enter, absolutely do enter into the suffering of this world, uh, to give, to be a part of this world, to give God glory. But the hope of the Christian is that we can face death without fear, the way that Jesus faces death, because we trust our Father. Not that he will set us free from suffering or death, but that we trust him to raise us from the dead. And so we can look death and suffering right in the face and say, you don't have the last word because my king has beaten you and he will raise me from the dead. And so our response to this is a response of of faith, of trusting Jesus as our Lord and as our King, as our Master, not just uh, for an hour on Sunday morning, but week by week, day by day, moment by moment, putting ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus, under the Kingship, uh, following uh, the rules that he has given us in in the way and the purpose that he has made us for, as well as listening to his Spirit, And when we hear him speak to us, doing our best to obey as he calls us. John Wesley said a couple of things over and over again when he talked about this grace of God. One of the things that he wanted us to make sure that we knew is it is free. It is without charge. And we cannot earn this grace. It comes freely from God. And secondly, that this grace is available and available to all. It's available now. God doesn't say yes to you and no to another person. It's, it's available for anyone who wants to go to the bank to trust God and to withdraw of the incomparable riches of the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So one, we are created, and we are created with purpose. Two, we are worse off than we thought we were. But three, God is greater than we thought. Amen. I'll invite the musicians forward as we pray.